Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Thank you for joining in. We're delighted to have you. We are continuing through our Truth Tidbit series daily, and today we are in the book of Revelation, and we will tackle Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and we will discuss these in some detail today. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked. And behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked. And behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. I'd like for us to stop there for today, and we're going to tackle this topic of these horses, riders, and seals. So we have spent uh, the last few episodes preparing for this time. We have seen that Jesus is the only one worthy to take this scroll, to be able to open it and loose its seals and begin to execute what it's written, what is written in it. And so we see that now he being the rightful owner, the rightful inheritor, the rightful possessor, is now holding this and he's beginning to open it. And we understand that he will judge righteously. This is the day of the Lord's vengeance. And so the topics from this point forward for the next several chapters are not pleasant, but they are true in the word of God and we must address them. We will be faithful to the word of God. As a matter of fact, we will see at the end of this book that there is a severe curse put upon someone if they add to or take away from what is written in this book. So we must be faithful to the whole of the word of God. And these things should cause us to have a certain response. And we will talk about that as well as we go through these chapters. So now in Revelation chapter 6, we see the opening of the first four seals. 
So we want to talk about those individually, and then we want to look at some understandings about what these may represent. Remember, these are future events. John is describing them in the best way he can, telling us what he has seen, what details he can give us, and so we're going to couple these with other scriptures as we go through and try to understand exactly what God is saying. So let's look at the first seal. Notice John is watching the lamb loosen the seals one by one. Notice that each one of these first four seals is announced by one of the four living creatures. Each one gives an announcement and an invitation to John. And their invitation is, come and see. It's an invitation for him to look, to behold, and to understand and discern what the meaning of this is. And this first voice from the four living creatures is a voice like a thunder, we are told. So we see the first seal. Now, each one of these first four seals are horses and riders, particular riders. This first seal is on a white horse. Now, this is very important to understand. This is not the second coming of Jesus. Jesus will ride on a white horse, but that it does not happen until Revelation 19. This rider on this white horse most scholars and Bible prophecy experts believe is the rising of the Antichrist. It's the deception. It's the deceiver himself. This white horse is very deceptive and may appear to be the Messiah, but it is the false Messiah. This man is evil, not good. Notice he has a bow. He does not have arrows, he has a bow. And that indicates that he may be charismatic in the sense that he is smooth speaking, well speaking, diplomatic, deceptive with his speech, etc. He is able to influence, but not through war and oppression perhaps, perhaps more through diplomacy perhaps more through flattery and smooth talk. Now, he has a bow, but he doesn't have arrows. Notice that a Stephanos crown is given to him. That's a crown that, that represented an entwined wreath, we would say, something like that. It can be one that's given to the winner of a game or given as a badge of honor in some form or glory. His Mission. Now, I want you to hear this because these say that they went forth. That is talking about them rising and becoming on the public scene. They are rising to power, so to speak. They're rising in recognition. It's like the image that I gave you in the last episode talking about the horse, a racehorse that is in the gate waiting so desperately for that gate to open so that they can run and take off and do what they are wanting to do. It's a similar concept here. We have these first four horsemen, and it's almost as if they're, they're in that gate, raring to go, 
but they cannot be loosed until the Lamb of God begins to loose the seals. And so now this horse and this rider is raring to go out of the gate, and now he is coming forth, and he is coming forth out of the gate with one mission, and that is conquering and to conquer, to subdue, to overcome, prevail, vanquish, or be victorious. So he is rising up to power, rising to public recognition when this first seal is opened with smooth talk, diplomacy, perhaps. And he has this crown that has been given to him, this badge of glory or recognition. And his mission is to subdue, to subdue the world, to subdue all to his will and to his governmental authority. The second seal. The second seal is announced by the second of the four living creatures, and it's a second horse with a rider. This horse, we're given the details, is fiery red, and rearing out of the gate to go and take peace from the earth and to make it so that people are killing each other. That word literally means to butcher or slaughter, to violently maim. So this is talking about violence being released on the earth, peace leaving and violence being released to the point that people are literally killing one another. This second seal, the, the rider has a sword. It's referring to a large knife or dagger it's like the sword of an executioner. It represents killing, violence, and unrest, people to people, person to person, perhaps even neighbor to neighbor. The third seal is announced, and John is invited by the third of the four living creatures. This is a black horse, and he, the rider, is holding a pair of scales which represents perhaps a yoke, burden, bondage, or the weighing and assessment of things. Scales are also used for weighing out things. This is talking about slavery, obligation. It's talking about famine, and perhaps even rationing of foods and food supply. The voice now comes, notice this, from the midst of the four living creatures. To understand that this is the voice of God, you need to understand chapter 4. Because in chapter 4, we see that the four living creatures are encircling the throne of God. He is the one in the midst of them. So this voice that is coming is coming directly from God. And God says, he declares, that there will be exorbitant inflation and high cost, scarcity and famine, perhaps even rationing of food because the voice of the Lord declares one quart of wheat for one denarii, or in other words, a day's wage. Three quarts of barley for one denarius, or in other words, a day's wage. So in other words, someone will work an entire day only for flour only for basic sustenance, 
of bread and perhaps water. Basic needs, and that's all. There will be a huge scarcity, famine, and perhaps even rationing. Hyperinflation, maybe. Bare sustenance for the workers and the average people. But notice they're told not to harm the oil and the wine. Those would be the luxury items. Those would be still available for the rich and for the elite, for the elite people to enjoy. Then we come to the fourth seal. The fourth seal is announced by the fourth living creature of the four. And this is a pale horse. That word is chloros, and it literally means pale green or greenish. It's talking about a sickly color. It's talking about disease, sickness, death. This is the only horse that has the riders officially named. And notice that this horse has two riders, death and hell or Hades death and the grave, or Sheol in the Old Testament, as it was called. These are the riders. Death is is the one leading the horse, and then Hades is right there on the horse, right behind him. Death and hell together. Their mission is that power, or exousia, authority, privilege, freedom of choice, and right, has been granted to them, given over to them to supervise and impose upon one-fourth of the entirety of the earth's population to kill people. Now think about this. In today's environment, there are approximately 8 billion people living on the planet Earth. If we took 25% or one-fourth of those and they were killed by this, you're talking about 2 billion people approximately that this horse and rider have the ability, have the privilege, have the authority to literally kill 25% of the Earth's population at that time. Now, I and many others believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. We do not know how many people all around the globe are going to be included in the number that will go up to meet the Lord in the air. I'm hoping it will be billions of people, and there will be much less left on the earth for this to apply to. But just think about that for a minute. Whoever is left on the earth at that time, these Riders on this horse, this final horse, have the authority granted to them the privilege and the right to kill people. Notice they are given this authority to kill with four different weapons or in four different ways. The sword, which represents war, violence, and weapons. That's talking about a long saber-like sword. Then there is hunger. Secondly, that would be through famine or possibly even through control of the food supplies, rationing and cutting off supplies of food to the average person. 
Even today, we are noticing some supply chain issues. Some of these things, we see they're setting the stage for these writers to burst out of the gate and come on the scene with their evil plots and with these judgments from the Lord. So they're given the authority in four ways. Sword, hunger, the third one is death, or it can mean the extinction of life, whether that is through some form of natural means or sickness and disease, normal sickness and disease of killing, or through violence, or through pestilences and plagues. Think about that for a moment. This is one of the four ways that these writers will be granted the authority to kill people. Then the fourth way is through the beasts of the earth. That's talking about wild, savage animals or perhaps other wild, savage living beings, brutal men. Perhaps this even refers to some of the things being discussed today about genetic engineering and robotics and transhumanism and AI and all of these other things. Who knows what's going to be involved in this interpretation of the beasts of the earth. But notice that these four horsemen come on the scene literally raring to go out of the gate and they arise and given public recognition and they begin to do these things, their mission, all over the earth. This is not one nation. It's not one series or one area of the country or of a continent. It is all over the earth. These will transpire. I want to read a few other places in the scripture to try to get a little more clarity about these horses. The first place I want to read is Ezekiel chapter 14. In Ezekiel chapter 14, I want to begin reading in verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they empty it, and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beasts, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. He's talking about Noah, Daniel, and Job again. Or if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land, and I cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God. They would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury on it in blood and cut off from it man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, 
As I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more it shall be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, the sword and famine and wild beasts and pestilence to cut off man and beast from it. Yet behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought out, both sons and daughters. Surely they will come out to you and you will see their ways and their doings. Then you will be comforted concerning the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, all that I have brought upon it, and they will comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and you shall know that I have done nothing without cause that I have done in it, says the Lord God. So here Ezekiel is speaking about four severe judgments that he will bring, that God will bring upon the earth, and particularly for the cause of drawing his people to himself in these last days. And notice how these four severe judgments match perfectly with this fourth horse and its riders. In Ezekiel 14, we're told the four severe judgments. We're also given the reasons for these. It's because of the sin and continued persistent unfaithfulness, he said. Persistent rebellion against God, persistent unfaithfulness. And then he establishes also in this passage the justice and his rightness of God to bring these judgments. He says, then you will know that I do nothing without cause that I do, the Lord said. So this fourth horseman carries these four severe judgments that Ezekiel prophesied about. The sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. All of that is represented in this fourth horseman. The four horsemen also could possibly be the ones that Zechariah saw, and I'd like for us to read that next, in Zechariah chapter 6. And I want to begin reading in verse 1. Then I turned and raised my eyes and looked, and behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. Now, bronze in the scripture represents judgment. Verse 2, with the first chariot were red horses, with the second chariot black horses, with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot dappled horses. Strong steeds, all four of these. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, These are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. The one with the black horses is going to the north country. The white are going after them, and the dappled are going toward the south country. Then the strong steeds went out, eager to go, that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, Go, walk to and fro throughout the earth, 
So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. And he called to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. This is the Lord speaking here. So here we're given the description of four chariots and horses, similarly to John's vision in Revelation. Notice the similarities of the colors of these horses. The only difference is that in John's vision, he sees the fourth one as a pale horse, whereas here it's listed as a dappled color, which could mean that it's possibly pale. It may be a grayish pale kind of color to Zechariah. It could also be a spotted or marked color of some kind. We're told here that these are four spirit from before the Lord that were on their stations. And I want to pay attention to this a minute. At the very last, we're told that they give rest to the Spirit of God. Now, you might say, well, if these four horses that Zechariah sees are representative or perhaps the same type of four horses that John then expounds on in Revelation chapter 6, how are these horses that are bringing this judgment on the evildoers on the earth and the Lord's wrath, how are they giving rest to the Spirit of the Lord? Well, that's a very solid question, and I have that same question, but I do believe the Lord reminded me of a verse that I'd like to share with you that may explain to us why. It's found in Genesis chapter 6, and in Genesis chapter 6, we see the Lord grieving because the world is so evil and nothing but evil is in their heart continually. And I want to read verse 3. It says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And then in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this may apply to this giving of rest to the Lord's Spirit because here we're told in Genesis that the Lord said, I'm going to give another 120 years and then judgment is going to come in that case by the global worldwide flooding of the earth that destroyed every person except Noah and his family, eight souls, the New Testament tells us. So the Lord said, in essence, here in Genesis chapter 6, I'm long-suffering, but I have a point when time's up, and I will give you time. I will give you time to come to me. I will give you a calling. I will give you a wooing. We know later in the New Testament, we're told that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So while he's building this boat, he's warning the people, judgment is coming. Get ready. You need to plan to get on the boat. Get on the boat. Judgment is coming. But they would not heed him. They would not listen to him. The Spirit of the Lord was pleading and pleading and pleading and pleading all through that 120 years. But there came a point where God drew Noah and his family and all those animals in the ark, and God shut the door. The time was up then. 
and nobody else was getting in at that point. Judgment was coming. That may be what might be referred to in Zechariah chapter 6, where these horses are bringing forth this judgment that God has held back and held back and held back, and his spirit the whole time was striving with people, trying to woo them, trying to draw them to come to Jesus and repent of their sins, and yet they would not. And so that rest of the spirit may be in reference to that. So we see these first horsemen, these first four. The first will rise on the public scene. I believe it is the Antichrist, and his mission is control. Conquering, subduing. It is taking control. Perhaps through diplomacy and charisma, perhaps through promise and facade of a peaceful takeover, of a peaceful conquering, of a peaceful transition. The second one rises up, bringing violence and unrest, killings, mobs, wars, etc. And the third one rises on the scene, bringing hunger, famine, rationings, perhaps even control of the food supply. And the fourth one rises on the scene, bringing death and Hades, perhaps even the covenant here. Now, what covenant are we talking about? As we draw to a close, we're going to read two final verses to help us understand this and this covenant with death and Hades, this death and Hades writer. The first place we're going to read is Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, I want to begin the reading in verse 20. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me, talked with me, and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and, and the wall, even in troublesome times." And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. In other words, after the whole 69 of those weeks he just described, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he meaning the prince of the people who is to come, shall confirm a covenant 
with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, I want to come back to this because there's much in that passage to unpack for where we are going in our study. And that may be our next episode where we will unpack a lot of this. But I do want you to understand that Daniel here is talking about a 70th week. And during that 70th week or this seven-year period of time that is ahead, there will be a covenant confirmed. That Hebrew word means to make strong or to strengthen. It could be a brand new covenant. It could be an existing covenant. It could be something where possibly they take a covenant that's in place at that time and make additions or amendments to it. And it's very likely, many prophecy experts believe, that the third temple building may be a part of that process. So let's get into more of that in a future time. The point is, Daniel prophesies about this making of a covenant. Now, what covenant is he talking about? Well, Daniel doesn't give us any more details than that. However, Isaiah talks about a covenant that the Jews will make. And I want to look at that in Isaiah 28, beginning in verse 7, for us to understand more about this fourth writer. In Isaiah 28, beginning in verse 7, it says this, But they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. He's talking here about his people, the leaders of Jerusalem, who have erred, and they have gone astray from the Lord and from the principles of God. Continuing on in the reading, the priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. And we have more we can say about that, but let's continue on for today. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filth. No place is clean. Whom will he teach knowledge and to whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? those just drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion 
a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass over, and by day and by night, it will be a terror just to understand the report. For the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the covering so narrow that one cannot wrap himself in it. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I've heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. So here we see Isaiah prophetically speaking about Jerusalem being included, the the nation of Israel, the Jews, being included in a covenant that is made. And this covenant, Isaiah tells us, is with death and Hades, or Sheol, death and the grave. Very interesting when we couple Daniel's writings about a covenant that the Antichrist, the prince of the people who are to come, he calls him, makes with many, confirms with many, and the Jews make this covenant with death and Sheol, Isaiah tells us, and now we have this fourth writer bringing God's four severe judgments to all who persist in unfaithfulness, not to the remnant of the children of Israel, but to all who persist in unfaithfulness, and death and Hades are the writers there. Now, This is what I know that I've heard Bill Salas, I believe, is one who believes that this may be connected, as do perhaps others in the Bible prophecy teaching realm. And it appears, perhaps, that whatever covenant this is going to be, it may be with death and the grave, or with Sheol, according to Isaiah's prophecy. And the reason was given to us here because they're erring. They're going away from God. They're in persistent unfaithfulness. And is it possible then that the first seal is the rise in public recognition of the Antichrist? And then the fourth seal is the actual time when he will sign that covenant or confirm that covenant Daniel spoke about. And with the Jewish people, it actually is the covenant of death and Hades, or Sheol, that Isaiah prophesied about. It's very interesting that these things may all be connected, and the scriptures tell us more information sometimes than what we realize. The point, though, is that judgment has now begun on the whole earth by the breaking of the first seal. And it's going to continue and worsen as we go through until 
Messiah Jesus, the conquering King, comes, and he is coming. I encourage you today, know him personally as your Lord and Savior. Make sure your eternal destination is heaven. Make sure now, while the window of grace, this age of grace is still open, that you call upon the name of the Lord before it's too late and the rapture of the church happens and you be left behind to face these judgments that will come. Oh yes, you may still be able to be saved, but there will be many forces against you then, including strong deception that you could possibly believe the lie and be doomed forever. Don't risk it. Come to Jesus now because he's coming and he's coming soon. Don't be like those that thought there wasn't going to be any flood and they missed their opportunity to get on the boat. Don't miss your opportunity to get on the boat and be saved even this very day. Today may be your day of salvation. Come to Jesus, let him wash you free of all your sin. Call upon his name and let him write your name in the Lamb's book of life and save you this very day. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.